Welcome to the debut episode of the Don't Change Much podcast, a show about men's mental and physical health. Every episode, we will have conversations that we hope will help build awareness, educate and provide simple lifestyle tips for men and their families to act and improve their well-being. Now, we should say these important conversations wouldn't be possible without a generous donation from the Jack and Darlene Poole Foundation, so thank you very much. In this episode, Move Your Body for Your Mind. We're talking about the connection between physical and mental health with former NHL player and executive Trevor Linden. Trevor details how the structure and routine of daily activity helped him transition from the life of a pro athlete into the next chapter whether it be a short walk with his young son or a competitive cycling tour. His love of fitness and getting outside is a big part of keeping his mind right. And Dr. Jennifer Heiss, Associate Professor, McMaster University, and Director, NeuroFitLab.com, and researcher of brain-body connections, is also part of the conversation. Dr. Heiss is a brain health expert, And she doesn't just research the connection between physical and mental well-being. She's lived it by navigating out of a difficult time in her personal life, by picking up an old rusty bike and taking that all the way into competing in an Ironman by herself during the pandemic. We all know about the physical benefits of exercise, but how does it benefit our mental health? Let's make the connection. Manage your stress, not the other way around. For simple ways to improve your mental health, check out the free MindFit Toolkit from the Canadian Men's Health Foundation. Complete a self-assessment, access virtual counseling, and learn more about how anxiety, stress, or depression might be impacting your health. Go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the MindFit Toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today. Trevor and Jennifer, I think this will be a conversation that should resonate with a lot of people and very much could help a lot of people. The effects of physical activity on brain function and how that can, in turn, promote mental health. Jennifer, you're the expert in brain health. So, you know, first off, what inspired you or perhaps what caused you to shift part of your focus to exercise? Yeah, it happened back in graduate school. At the time, I was studying the fundamentals of neuroscience. So how does the brain represent who we are and our memories? And it became very clear to me that something wasn't quite right with my own brain. I was having some pretty severe bouts of anxiety. And I went to the medical community and was really reluctant to take the medication that they were offering. So on a whim, I borrowed my friend's rusty old road bike. And much to my amazement, those bike rides soothed my mind and really sparked a shift, not just in my personal life, where I incorporated exercise daily into my life, but also in my research. So from that point forward, I, I studied the effects of exercise on the brain. How amazed were you about the effect it had? And was it immediate? Yeah, it, it was amazing. And it was immediate. So for me at the time, my mind was racing. I was having lots of intrusive and negative thoughts. And I was amazed that those bike rides really soothed my mind. They quieted my mind and it hadn't been that quiet in years. And the effects were immediate. 
And this is true. This is backed up not just by my own personal experience, but since then we've been conducting research on the effects of exercise on mental health, anxiety, depression, and the effects happen immediately after exercising. So as soon as we stop, we feel less anxious. We feel that boost in mood. Uh, we're better able to focus and feel more creative. Hey, Jen, what was your experience with exercise or sport before you had this, you realized in, I guess it was your undergrad that you were suffering some mental health challenges? Yeah. Well, before that, I I wouldn't consider myself an athlete. I, you know, I struggled to find my footing in sports. I, as a child, I was overweight. And, uh, you know, when you don't get into it early, you don't have the skills to really yeah. compete. And so I, you know, I struggled to become a runner. I was always health conscious, but it wasn't until undergrad when it really became about my mental health that I made it a priority. It's interesting there was such a quick switch for you. Like mm -hmm. it was like a light went on and you, you know, like you said, you borrowed a rusty bike. It was like night and day, like one day was this and the next day was that. Is that safe to say? Well, yeah, I mean, and I think that for a lot of people, when they start conceptualizing exercise as medicine for their mind, it's a totally different approach. Like you're not working out to like grow muscles or to be fitter or to lose weight, which, you know, sometimes those effects can take months and that's discouraging. And often people will quit. But when your motivation is to feel good, you feel that immediately. And that's really encouraging. And I think for me, that was really the, the switch, you know, that, that yeah. really flipped the switch for me to to make it a priority, make it part of my life. You know, what's interesting, Murph, is, and, and Jen, is for me, it was kind of the opposite because I actually, I loved playing the game of hockey. So that's what I did as a boy. And then realized kind of well into my professional career that working out was my job. And then I realized I was pretty lucky to have that as my job. And, but it struck me when I retired in 2008 that I realized how important it was for my mental health because I retired and I'm like, okay, now I'm not going to the rink every day and practicing, which, you know, I left the rink on such a high, you know, and I didn't have that anymore. I realized, holy cow, I need to get that somewhere else because I almost like I got, it's like I got so addicted to the endorphins or the mental, you know, just that rush of, of positivity mm -hmm. that when I stopped playing, I was like, oh, I need to go get it on my own now. It's funny because I remember when you retired in 2008, it's crazy, it's that long ago, but yeah. you immediately got into cycling, you know, pretty high level, competitive, you were going to Switzerland mm -hmm. or Austria. And I asked you uh, at the time, like, why? Yeah. And your answer was, well, you can only kind of compete and be an elite athlete for so long. And I accepted that. And then after yeah. that, I thought, like, was it as much for your mind as your body? Yeah, I that was the point in which I realized that I need this for my mental well-being. I realized that I'm a better husband, I'm a better friend, now it's a father, when I have physical activity. And it can be as simple as just getting out for a walk down the street with my son and looking, he loves to look at all the construction sites that the houses, so we go do that to her on a regular basis, he's four. And so even that, just getting out and, and breathing the fresh air and, and just going for a walk. And I, I also realized the latter part of my career, I kind of switched gears in that working out in the summer wasn't something I had to do. It's what became part of me. It became what I, I know I needed to do and I love to do and I was lucky to do. And so, you know, obviously fitness has changed for me a great deal since over 14 years since I retired, but 
So it's, it's interesting to hear your story, Jen, and how that kind of happened for you. And it happened accidentally for me because I loved playing hockey and that's what I did. I was lucky enough to do it as a career. But when I stopped was when I realized, wow, this isn't just about training for hockey or you know, trying to win hockey games. This became a mental health thing that I realized that how important it was. And Jen, not everybody's a, a high-level athlete, but Trevor, I think he touched on it there too, about just getting out and walking with his son. Maybe it's a simple question without a simple answer. You know, what is the best way for someone to get started if they feel like they need the benefits of exercise to help with their brain? Yeah, and I, I think, you know, a parallel to Trevor's story is has been the pandemic. When you retired, you know, the the mandatory exercises sort of stopped in your life and you had to rediscover it. And for a lot of people, the ability to exercise or their typical routine was stopped because of the pandemic. And then they had to realize, you know, reimagine what exercise could be like. And I think a lot of people at that time really did experience a shift in their mind and not for the better, right? They'd stop their routine, the uncertainty of the pandemic, the stress of the situation really caused a lot of people to feel anxiety and depression. And it happened in many people who had never experienced this before. I remember my neighbor, he he was talking about this tightness that he was feeling in his chest. And he didn't know what it was. And, you know, it turned out it was he was suffering from anxiety. I think this happened to a lot of people. And and it can this this stress brought on by the pandemic and life stressors can lead to these symptoms in people who've never had a diagnosis before. And this this idea that you don't have to be a professional athlete to get the benefits, I think, is is something worth mentioning. And even, you know, your walks with your son, any bit of movement helps. And I think for especially for people who've been who haven't been moving much lately, this is really the message is some is better than none. And a recent study just came out showing that, you know, it is every single step you take counts. And there's this real ramping up from zero to any movement. And you see these dramatic benefits in reduction of depression symptoms and anxiety. Is it important to celebrate those goals once you set them, just to, even if it's a little bit and you're just getting started and I want to walk a thousand steps a day because this is new to me. Yeah. And once you start, should you celebrate those little milestones? Yeah. And, and take the time to notice how you feel after, right? And I, I think some forms of sport build this in like yoga. They have that shavasana at the end, which I think is essentially for you to really feel feel the benefits and how good you feel and really to form that association. So exercising is hard. We'll put it out there. It's a stressor on the body. And so we need to reinforce it as a positive experience. And any kind of celebration helps, you know, whether it's noticing how good you feel after or even coupling it with things that you enjoy doing. So Maybe listening to your favorite podcast when you're out for your walk or listening to your favorite music. All of this helps to stimulate the reward system in the brain and link that rewarding feeling, that motivation with the movement. This is the Don't Change Much podcast. My name is Dan Murphy. And I'm joined today by Trevor Linden and Dr. Jennifer Heiss. So Jen, take me back to that rusty bike that you borrowed from a friend. How, what was your first ride like? How, like how, how far did you, do you remember how far you went? I mean, I think it was just like a 20 minute ride 
I was based in Hamilton. I'm still in Hamilton, Ontario, and it's hilly here. <laughs> so yeah, I do yeah, remember yeah. it being a difficult, challenging ride up the escarpment. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. once I got to the top of the escarpment, I was, I, you know, took a moment to enjoy the view. And this is to your point of enjoying that, enjoying the experience while you're doing it. And just amazing. Just just yeah. such a, an amazing feeling. It's it's funny, Jen, when you think about cycling, I'm a avid cyclist. And it's almost like as kids, we ride our bikes because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And then when we become adults, we or, you know, in our late teens, or we stop, we stop riding bikes because we're doing other things. And then I obviously kind of is... Before I retired, I, I started cycling. And you realize as an adult, being on a bike is fun. It's fun mm-hmm. riding a bike. Yeah. And there's something, uh, there's a, there's, it's just brain medicine when you think about you're on your bike, you're cruising around. And at the end of the day, you're a kid again. And I think that's, you know, it takes you out of, you know, I guess the pressures of adulthood, whether it be family, work. But I have this theory that most people have some sort of mental health challenges. And, and I, I'm one of them. And this last couple of years has just brought that to the forefront. I mean, mm-hmm. if anyone didn't think they did, they probably it probably became exposed because of the challenges of just the isolation of not mm-hmm. being able to out of your regular routines. And I think with the one great thing throughout the last couple of years with exercise is is it was also and the thing we missed so much was the social part of this pandemic. And but you can you could still go outside and meet up with a friend, go for a hike, go for a walk, go for a bike ride. That's also what I think is the key to activity is that yes, you can do it by yourself if that's what you want. A lot of times it's nice to have that time alone and whether it be time away from work or even time just to think for yourself. But then there's also that those Saturday mornings where you get together with a group of friends and you're either you're going for a hike or going for a bike ride or going even for a walk. I mean, there is a big social component. And at the end of the day, I think we've all realized how important those social connections are for us over the last couple of years because we've all missed that. And exercise can really be that. And the great thing is making a date with a friend not only gets you to the start line because you got to meet your friend, it, it gets you out there and it, it can make things more than just exercise. And that's, I think, is critical to think of it as that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the social benefits of exercise are just so tremendous and they actually add on to the physical and mental benefits in a really profound way. So like you were saying in the pandemic, there was so much isolation. And when when the brain doesn't get enough social stimulation, it really it's really starving for it. And it can lead to mental health issues. Loneliness can lead to even things like dementia. Incorporating social engagement or social activities in our physical activity is such an easy way, a nice way to couple the two to get the benefits. And I don't, I never had like a walking friend date or like walking date before the pandemic, but I really enjoyed them during the pandemic for sure. Exercise, I mean, now for you, Jen, and for Trevor and myself, it seems second nature, right? And you mentioned for people that just want to try it, just get out and start. Question's kind of twofold. Once you do start, how can you build on it? And secondly, if you start and you have a hiccup and you don't do it for a couple of weeks, how important is it not to beat yourself up and to get, you know, kind of back on the horse, so to speak? Absolutely. I think, you know, how can you build it into a consistent habit? That's an important piece too. And we have to think about, you know, exercising is hard. The brain actually has a built-in mechanism to prevent you from expending energy. This is like a relic of our evolutionary past and kind of makes us lazy, actually. 
And so we have to overcome that initial inertia to get off the couch and get moving. And so recognizing that that's hard is important first step. And we need to do things to you know, improve our chances of successfully getting off the couch and getting out the door. And the things that we can do are really quite simple, but they, they work every time. So one of the key things to do is put it in your calendar, just blocking off the time, making it part of your schedule. And this is part of like incorporating it into your everyday life. Include as much detail as possible, like what you're going to do, where, when, and with whom. A lot of people use a personal trainer or coach for this, but you can do it on your, on your own as well. And the reason this works is because it takes a lot of willpower to get off the couch and out the door. And when we have to make decisions on the fly, like what are we going to do? Where are we going to do? You know, all this exercise decision making drains our willpower and we have less left over to actually start the movement. And so if you plan ahead with all these details, you can save your willpower for exercising. And this helps improve your chances of actually following through. That's awesome, Jen. I always say that as bad as sometimes, sometimes I'm feeling not great or I've got stuff on my brain. I always say, and I, I always say this to my wife too, you will feel better after you do this. You know what I mean? I guarantee it. That is one thing I can guarantee anyone out there, whatever it is. And and it's true. And I think the other thing too is find something that, that you enjoy doing. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, if it's you could have a nice park by your house. You could have a hiking trails by your house. And, you know, the other thing gardening. too, gardening, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And maybe you have a son or a daughter that's at the age where they can enjoy a hike or whatever. And that can be an activity, a kind of a family activity. As you said, you know, maybe identify some friends that you can maybe partner with that you can do this together. The other thing I mentioned too is, is, is just the bike. Maybe you can, you know, rediscover the enjoyment of being on a bike. Maybe it can mm-hmm. contribute to going to get groceries. That's one of my fun things. I love using my my cruiser bike just to do things that would otherwise be a chore. But when I do it on my bike, I get this sense of just satisfaction that I'm using human powered methods. And, you know, so if you can do an errand or two on your bike or mate or, or even bigger, I mean, depending on what your work situation, can you start to ride to work? I know people really find that beneficial and that that's a big step, but it, because it kills two birds with one stone. And I have a friend who rides to work. He says, I guarantee I can get to work faster on my bike than you can on in, in your car. And it's true. Mm-hmm. And not only that, he shows up in a, you know, he's got all these positive endorphins flowing and, and he's, you know, got, got a little exercise to boot on his way to work. So lots of ideas out there. Jennifer, perhaps in as layman terms as possible, as Trevor just talked about the endorphins, why does exercise medically help brain health? Mm-hmm. Well, endorphins are part of it. That's the body's natural production of painkiller. And this helps uh, give us that feel-good feeling that we get always get after exercising. It also, exercise also increases endocannabinoids, which are the body's natural form of cannabis. And this helps to increase dopamine in the brain, which is extremely rewarding for the brain and motivating. There are other things that exercise increases too. There's this amazing resiliency factor called neuropeptide Y. And this factor protects the brain from trauma. So war vets who have more neuropeptide Y are less likely to develop post-traumatic stress after a tour in war than those who have less 
neuropeptide Y, and we can build more neuropeptide Y in our own brains with light to moderate activity, which is really just like such a nice message, right? So by moving our body, we're strengthening our resiliency to stressors. Can one be addicted to exercise? And and I'll ask it Mm -hmm. in this way, because personally, I'll always set up my week and say it's you're supposed to work out three days on one day off well i'll do those three days and on the fourth day i'll wake up and i'll say well i better do something today and can't in case i can't do it tomorrow it's kind of like getting it in the bank in case and then you find you're working out seven days a week and it might not be the best for your body at that point Mm -hmm. but it's almost like if i don't do it am i letting myself down yeah so i did some research for the book on exercise addiction and it turns out it's pretty rare actually less than 3% of the population in general are addicted to exercise. And even among like athletes, it's only about 5%. I mean, you can just look around. Most people are not exercising. And if we compare that to things like drugs of abuse, the rates are significantly lower. And to your point about how you're scheduling it, you know, five to seven days a week, and you're following a program, it sounds like. And when we're following a program, even if we have high training volume, it doesn't necessarily mean we're addicted. Things are still in control. We don't feel compulsive to exercise. And so if there's no harm, there's no addiction. So if you're not causing harm to your body, yourself, your family, your friends, then there's no addiction. And I think that's just a really clear delineation to help people understand whether they may or may not be addicted to exercise. Now, having said that the the values are low, they do tend to be a little bit higher when they're wrapped up with disordered eating, for example, where exercise is used as a form of punishment. And this is when it gets very negative. But for most, the vast majority of people who are exercising, even, you know, when I was training for the the full Ironman, it required me to do 25 to 30 hours of training a week. And from the outside perspective, that may have looked like an exercise addiction, but I was following a very strict regimented protocol set out by my coach. I wasn't pushing it beyond that. And so that, you know, you're still in control of the situation. And I think that makes it fundamentally different than what happens with drugs of abuse and addiction there. The really cool thing, though, when it comes to addiction is that exercise, because it stimulates the reward system, it can help us prevent addiction in children So children who are more physically active are less likely to experiment with drugs. But also for those who have addictions and they stop and want to recover, exercise can help speed up that recovery. It can help the reward system of the brain reopen and start to enjoy the the simpler things in life again. This is the Don't Change Much podcast. My name is Dan Murphy. I'm joined today by Trevor Linden and Dr. Jennifer Heiss. We should mention the book then you just you talked about. It's called Move the Body, Heal the Mind, which is pretty on point with our, our conversation here. And the Iron Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, from the reading I did, you had picked one out. It was set to go and the pandemic hit. Was that a setback? mentally, or did that just steal your resolve to do it another way? 
Yeah. So just to give context, so I I was writing the book, Move the Body, Heal the Mind, and it features research from my lab and from others around the world, but it also has this personal story. And so I used this new sport of triathlon to transition through a pretty difficult time in my life. I was going through a divorce And so I needed something to focus on, you know, something positive and triathlon was it. So I started out with a try a try and progressed from there. And the book was supposed to end with my heroic completion of this full Ironman (laughs) set to take place. Which one was it, Jen? It was Mount Tremblant. Uh, Yeah, it was set to take place August 23rd, 2020. And I had done some halves before then. I had qualified for the world championship. You know, there was like lots of momentum behind me and I was in the best shape of my life. The, The pandemic hit, gyms closed, pools closed, everything was closed, races were canceled. And I, you know, I... I had to make a decision, you know, how was I going to end this book, first of all? (laughs) But then I had been on this three-year journey and it just seemed like an opportunity to to really show the benefits, the gifts that exercise gives in terms of resiliency and stick-to-itiveness and and the the strength and growth. And so it, it ended up being a solo Ironman that my family and friends helped to organize. And so I did the whole thing in my local neighborhood all by myself. It took about 13 hours, 10 minutes, wow. but. Well, that's uh, a, well, first of all, that's that's an amazing time. And I've got one question. Were you, were you on that rusty old bike you borrowed <laughs> from your friend? I was not, but I was on another rusty old road bike, my first half Ironman. I have some pretty uh, funny pictures of me. And actually I talk about this in the book, how I, how I used that rusty old road bike to overtake men on like $10,000 state-of-the-art bikes. And, you know, the point is it's not about the equipment. It's about the training and the the mindset. 100%. And that's what I always say that, you know, people talk about bikes. I said, it doesn't matter what you got. You still got to pedal it up the hill. Uh, You know what I mean? And I don't care how light it is or whatever. It's still a long ways up the hill and, and the satisfaction doesn't make that big. Well, that's amazing. That's an amazing story. That's very cool. So Trevor, we know you're a great cyclist and skier. Do you engage in any activities that physically challenge you, like that that you're not great at, mentally challenge you, that you need to tackle because you had that competitive spirit? You know what I've I've realized kind of post-career is that I'm not actually, I I love doing these things because for me, I'm not even competitive at it. These things you know, I've done some multi-day cycling races in Europe. I've done mountain bike races. I've uh, ski toured, you know, all around the world, basically. I do it because it gets me places. It's the experience. It's, I always say it's not exactly what you do, it's who you do it with. I have great friends that we enjoy spending time in the mountains or being on our bikes. I've been to places in the world that I would never have gone to had it not been for, we were doing a race through this, you know, from, from Southern Germany to Northern Italy. And it was seven days and we went to these cool places and I've skied in places that most people have never heard of before. And it's just, and the experience, those experiences are all kind of brought on by just activity wise. So, um, I'm actually, you know, it's funny when you talk about triathlon, Jen, I've done an Olympic one before, but it's amazing because I can swim. I swim regularly in the pool. I am not a good swimmer. You know what I mean? I, I liked, actually like to run. I know, and I'm not a good runner. You know, Daniel Henrik Sedin are incredible runners. You know what I mean? They are built to run. I'm not, I know that, but I still enjoy it. I'm a kind of a 10 K 12 K kind of guy, hour, hour and 15 minutes. That's my max. 
even cycling, I ride with a bunch of guys. I'm I'm like a diesel. I'm not fast. <laughs> I'm not a great climber, but I know I never stop. I can go for long distances. So, and it's I'm okay with that. I'm not really particularly good at any discipline when it comes to triathlon, but I enjoy doing them. And they're just they're parts of my life that I just enjoy being out there, and uh, I feel better after I do them. Mm-hmm. You were a creature of habit, obviously, as a hockey player, right? You had you got up, you had your breakfast, you had yeah. your morning skate, yeah. you had your afternoon nap, you had the game. Do you still need that structure of exercise to help you through the day? Does that mentally, because you've always done it, does that help? Yeah. I mean, I, I as Jen said earlier, I mean, making a date with yourself putting it in your calendar is important. Making a plan as you talked about. And I, that is important for me. Now I'm less structured because I have a four-year-old now, which I try to fit in his kids. One of the things I, and it's not for everyone. And, and but one of the things I have enjoyed is, is getting my workout done first thing, mm-hmm. because that's the best time of the day after that. And I, when I say first thing, a lot of times I'll go to the pool at 5.30 and I can be there at 5.30 and be home by 6.30 and my son isn't up yet. I can still be there when he, when he, when he gets up, which is, kind of a real gift you you know it's it, sometimes it's hard to get up yeah but you get that in the bank and you think i got the rest of the day now and and it's and it sets your day up so good for me i get out of the pool i get home and i'm just i'm in a good spot and that's a mental spot the physical side of it isn't really important it's the it's the brain mechanics that that are so good so but definitely you know with family and work and stuff making a plan, you know, weekends coming, Hey, where can I get an hour? Where can I get two hours? What can I do with that? Who can I do it with? Look for time to put activity in for sure. And sometimes it's days like today. I'm not, I won't do anything today. And I look at it as a day off and get back at it uh, tomorrow. Jen, as for people that perhaps are just trying to get started and not getting up at five or five 30 to work out and I'm they don't have either. a gym membership, <laughs> no gym membership, no equipment. And they're just trying to you know, find the motivation to get started with no training. What's the best way to you know, have that inner conversation or motivation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think every little bit counts. So most of us are sitting a lot these days. So the first step could be you know, every 30 minutes, stand up take a two minute movement break and you could do push-ups, you could do jumping jacks, but you could also just stretch or walk around your room, something to move the body. So that's like step one. Step two is once around the block, maybe twice and just a walk. We shouldn't underestimate the power of walking. And this is something that you don't need fancy equipment or a specialized gym membership. In the book, I, I call it the wellness walk because it can just be a self-paced walk. Uh, research shows that a 30-minute self-paced walk is enough to reduce anxiety, but we can even go lower. A 10-minute self-paced walk has been shown to boost mood and boost creativity. If you want to play around with the intensity of your walking, you can do interval walking. This is a really fun way to uh, ramp up the walking. So you can do this gradually, but just basically like pick up the pace between light posts, add in a few hills to your regular walk. And what this does is it produces the accumulation of lactic acid or lactate in the muscles. And many people are familiar with this. It's often associated with that burning sensation in the muscles. And fitness instructors are often like, okay, let's get 
flush the lactate out. But it turns out lactate may be one of the most powerful promoters of neuroplasticity. And so it, it goes from the muscles right to the brain, goes to this hippocampal region of the brain, which is involved in memory and is devastated by Alzheimer's disease. But when lactate gets there, it increases growth there, like the birth of newborn brain cells to help boost memory and ward off dementia. Jen, I love that. I mean, I mentioned my walks with my son. And one of the things that is so cool when I do that with him is that he's pointing out things that I would never look at. Mm -hmm. And I mean, your wellness walk idea, I think it's important, just an idea is that put your phone away Mm -hmm. And just take look at things that you, you know, because we're, we're in our cars, we're busy, we're trying to get to work, we're trying to get to the grocery store. This could be 30 minutes where it's your time. And mm -hmm. you just take in the trees, the flowers, the, the, the view, the sky, you know, and, and just kind of breathe it all in. And I think that's, um, it's just, it feels good just to go slow. A common theme in all the, the things that you're talking about and mentioning is so beautiful. And it's around this idea that, you're in the present moment. You're using movement to kind of get out of your head and into your body, into the experience, into the moment. And this is so beneficial for mental health. We can try meditation, but a lot of people struggle. But if we can incorporate meditation and mindfulness into movement, it actually can be really powerful in changing our mental health. Just taking some big, deep breaths when we're walking is amazing. It's just like, oh, where? It, 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 like you feel like these short breaths, you're like, oh, and then you just like breathe. Just breathe is just sometimes so refreshing. So when I'm walking the dogs, I'm usually yelling at them. So. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer, we know that, you know, physical activity is, is great for our bodies. You've told us how it's great for our mind. What about uh, just the effects it can have on sleep and sleep patterns and how that can help us. Yeah, so exercising has a really powerful effect on sleep. Bottom line, the more we move during the day, the better we sleep at night. And the mechanism is actually pretty cool. So one of the mechanisms is around ATP. So um, ATP is like the energy currency of the cell. And the more we work out, the more we move during the day, the more ATP we break down and it produces adenosine. And as adenosine rises, the brain senses adenosine, and it's actually like a natural sleeping aid. So when adenosine gets so high, it triggers sleep, and we sleep more soundly, and it creates these slow-wave sleep patterns that really make our brain refreshed so that we can wake up feeling really alert. The other thing that exercise can do for sleep is it helps to reset our biological clock. So our circadian rhythm, it actually, you know, it doesn't operate on the 24-hour cycle. It's actually a little bit late. It's like 24.2 hours. So every day we have to reset that clock. And we do that typically with the sun, but we can also do that with exercising. So if we're moving outside at the same time every day, this can really help realign our brain time with real time so that, you know, we can, we can get back on track with our sleep schedule. Amazing. This has been great. And I guess the main message is no matter where you're at, get started. It can only help you, especially with mental health. If you're struggling, get out, have some movement and help heal the mind. Again, the book, Yep. So the book is called Move the Body, Heal the Mind. I made it a fun read. It does talk about the science, but it's also my personal story. And I think a main message that I'd like to get out is that you're not alone. You know, even successful people, 
can struggle with mental health issues and learn to manage them. And and I think that, you know, having podcasts like these and having conversations with high level people like a professional hockey player, you know, <laughs> who's open about his own struggles. And I think by sharing our stories, it teaches people that they're not alone, that they can get help and movement and exercise can be an important piece of that. Jen, when's your next Ironman? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I qualified for the world championship wow. uh, for wow. New Zealand 20. 20- Oh, wow. nice. it, got de- yeah. it got delayed, fortunately, because I am yeah. out of shape right now. <laughs> <laughs> you got time, 2024. I got some time. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's a great story. Well, thanks, uh, Jennifer and Trevor, for the conversation. I, I hope this will help some people down the road. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and know someone else will too, please share it. We'd also love to hear your feedback, so rate the podcast and give us your comments. For more helpful tips on improving your mental and physical health, please visit menshealthfoundation.ca and don'tchangemuch.ca.